And welcome to the latest episode of Let Me Tell You Something's Melts a Five Star Project. The little quest that we've set ourselves in which myself, your Let Me Tell You Something co-host, Lorcan Mullen, and your other Let Me Tell You Something co-host, Simon Cross, watch every match that we can get our hands on that Dave Meltzer of the Wrestling Observer has rated five stars or higher. We're still on WrestleMania weekend because of a variety of great matches and other events Pushing some releases back a bit. Yeah. So, Simon, where are we and what are we talking about? We are in Texas. It's one of the supplementary shows to WrestleMania weekend that other companies like to get involved with. It is Ring of Honor's... Is it Supercard of Honor? Supercard of Honor, yes. And, And we are looking at a dream match amongst those lovers of tag team wrestling as FTR take on them boys the briscoes i think what the last few weeks have shown us is how quickly if you do things right you can make someone a bigger deal either in creating a new star or establishing someone that will become a bigger star in the future but you have faith in them because of what they've done so far or reheating a popular act to put them back into a position of prominence that maybe they haven't been in for a while yeah and so what we've had in the last couple of weeks with this match that ftr had against the briscoes then three days later i believe or four days later at the next dynamite they had a rematch with the young bucks from a previous five-star match we covered that dave Meltzer only gave a mere four and three-quarter star rating to Nah, don't bother then ah trash we also saw as well on AEW, the ascension in a few short weeks of Wheeler Utah, yep. who also had a match on the same day, although shown a couple of days later, on Rampage with John Moxley, that Dave Meltzer also rated four and three quarter stars. Because after that match with the Young Bucks, there was full gear, wasn't it? 2020? Yes. Because we'd speculated what would happen afterwards, and I thought they were going to have a rematch pretty quickly at first, and the FTR would reclaim the titles due to sustained injuries of Matt Jackson. That wasn't the way that it went. And there'd been a general downturn in admiration for FTR it had seemed in the time in between Mm. where they first of all hit the ground running as well as you probably could do with after being taken out of the world tag title scene by being placed in the pinnacle faction and put into a big feud with the inner circle the main event did I don't know if it was the next pay-per-view but it did finish one of the pay-per-views afterwards uh, yeah, Stadium Stampede 2. Yes, although they were clearly a supporting player in that narrative and that continued on after that, where as often as they were involved in their own series of matches with the likes of Santana and Ortiz or the Lucha Bros, they were just as likely to be there to be the added, added muscle 
of MJF or getting involved in a six-man tag or eating a loss mm. to build up an MJF match later on down the road. Well, the whole pinnacle just seemed a bit like window dressing after the Inner Circle feud especially. It was just like, okay, cool, we've, we've built this faction to go against this faction. Don't really know what to do with it now. Well, I was surprised that it kept going as long as it did. And I wouldn't be surprised if it does reform in the future, but it essentially being the supporting group to MJF, and maybe Sean Spears will be the perennial... Henchman. Henchman, dog's body, lynch, hanger-on of MJF. And they're like... Entourage. That that he's essentially the um, Brandon Cutler for MJF. And the pinnacle's a great way of keeping... The idea of, like, MJF keeping a faction just for his own vanity kind of works anyway. Yeah. He seems like a guy that wants his ego stroked. Obviously, that's very in tune with his character. And and Sean does fill that role at the minute of just uh, being a perennial cheerleader. Even when um, FTR most recently have been gone with the Wardlow thing, it's like, that's your beef. We're, We're not getting involved in that. Yeah, it's something they can go back to if they so wish in the future. But... It's so fascinating that over the course of just a couple of weeks, they've really rehabbed their image. Because I think one of the criticisms of FTR that I was seeing online was that they were lacking their own personality. That they were just about homages. Yeah. they. I think they also wanted to be seen as being able to work anyone's style instead of mm. sticking with what worked for them. That's why the Lucha Bros feud didn't work as well as it maybe should have because they were trying to do Lucha stuff. I mean, that was still ongoing. They are still the AAA Tag Team Champions. I think... Because I rewatched, I didn't rewatch actually. I, I re-listened to our discussion of the Young Bucks FTR match from Full Gear 2020. Okay. And taking into account that, taking into account everything that they've done in between, and what they seem to have found back in themselves now, mm. is that... I preferred this match to the Young Bucks match, both Young Bucks matches. Because I think that the first Young Bucks match was too, was an epic of epic epicness. It's like half an hour long and it's as much an homage to tag team wrestling as it is meant to be about FTR and the Young Bucks themselves. Okay. What FTR and the Briscoes is about is two tag teams that want to fight each other to prove that they're the best not to fight each other in the name of defending tag team wrestling okay okay i take your point i see where you're coming from the only caveat i'm going to throw in and just ask you about is obviously the young bucks ftr one in the series was during like the peak of covid so there were some people in daily's place but it was nowhere near a full house do you think that's like a factor as well? That, that was this, there was this homage, but no one was really picking it up. Yeah, it probably was a factor in it, but that that's just the cards as they were laid out. And I think that the length and the excessiveness of some of what they were doing, it was like commenting upon itself. It was like a Quentin Tarantino movie in wrestling form. Yeah. Where it's like, these are characters in a tag team match and think about what that means and what does it mean to be a tag team like it was a rest it was a tag team match in inverted commas this was a tag team match this was two mm. tough tag teams that both thought they were the best and that loved backing up what they would say when they run their mouths like they were chomping at the bit to get to each other and both of them 
them had the uh, art of cutting off the ring. It's both teams doing that this time as well, which I, I like the whole where they're both peak tactical tag teams, not Young Bucks where it's uh, athleticism and like showmanship and some tactics. This is just like two chess grandmasters facing off against each other. Yeah, it's like they're not trying to show everyone that they know it all. They're just doing what you do when you know it all. Yeah. Because they do keep trying to cut the ring off and they do fight off, but they're not bringing attention to it. It's just the natural way that two people are the best. Again, it's like I think we were saying last week with the analogy of Liverpool, Man City. Two teams that know how to do it better than anyone else. And that's what they're showing. Exactly. They're not doing it. You know. You're not doing that whilst making sure to do a Cruyff turn because of the influence that Johan Cruyff has had in your match. Or, you know, you're not doing the Arsenal offside trap to show how good you are at defending. Yeah, you and you're not, you're, not, you're not doing rainbow flicks on the reg just to show that you can. Kevin De Bruyne is not just trying to, like, uh, rainbow flick over Fabinho, for example. He's just playing football really well. And these guys are doing tag team wrestling really well. And... So it works that there's not an extended period of control that goes into the format of what most tag team wrestling matches are, especially when it's heels faces. Yeah, because they're both too aggressive in a way. Even though the baby, even though the Briscoes are the baby face almost by default, FTR are the heels more in the fact that they're like the away team. Exactly, because they are you know rather than they cheat, they they hit hard. And they taunt and they yell. And at one point, Dax Harwood flips off Jay Briscoe when he's in the ropes. But they're not doing it to be heelish. Yeah. They're not David yeah. Louise laughing at the crowd after he's faked an injury. Yeah. Sorry, just... You've said FTR are the away team. And now I've just got an image of them coming down to the ring in Stone Island gear. And I just can't get that out of my head. <laughs> but you're right. That like, they're not. They're not being... Wine, they're being wind-up merchants, but not to the crowd. Ex- just exclusively to the Briscoe brothers. They're trying. They're using it as a tool. They're not using it to show off. If I can give you a really good example, I think in this is that one of the things that FTR have been doing, and a common criticism of them is like finisher spam. And that was one of the things that we were really bringing up in the first full gear match with the Young Bucks was how much of it was oh, we'll do the Hardy Boys finisher, or we'll do the Dudley Boys finisher, we'll do the Heart Foundations finisher, or we'll do Demolitions finisher. And one of the spots that they always love doing FTR is the Powerplex, because it's one of the great tag team, double team moves. And that's fine, but what I like in this match was that it's not them setting it up in the spot. Although they do set it up at one point, and then Mark Briscoe cuts Cash Wheeler off before he can do the splash part. Although that bothered me a little bit, because it meant that Cash Wheeler wasn't jumping off the top rope as quick as he usually does, which is how the power, which is what makes the powerplex so perfect, is that you do it, you jump in for the splash before the landing of the superplex has happened. Well, the superplex landing part happens before Cash Wheeler's even standing on the top rope, and then, you know, that's just a little nitpick. But what I prefer is that they later on do the bit where I think Mark Briscoe charges at him. Cash Wheeler throws him up in the air, knowing that Dax is behind and Dax will catch him. And Dax has him in a powerbomb. And Cash Wheeler knows one of the moves Dax likes doing right now is the slingshot powerbomb, which is like his variant of Tully Blanchard's old finisher, which was the slingshot suplex. 
And so he does the slingshot powerbomb. And in that time, Cash Wheeler's climbed to the top rope because he knows where Dax is going to plant him. And then he does the splash of the powerplex spot. So they've taken the logic of the powerplex and applied it to their own version of it. They haven't just taken it wholesale. They've adapted it for themselves. Yeah. And that's what I think the powerplex spot should be going forward for them. Yeah, to keep using the football analogy, they've taken like the bits of Barcelona's tiki-taka that they liked, but just not followed it to the exact formations or foundations, basically. What I like, as very much as they're the away team, as you mentioned earlier, FTR, the home team of the Briscoes, they're loving life because they, to them, it's, we're on our turf, we've got our boys behind us, they are, all of us are dem boys tonight. We're going to show exactly why we belong at the top table because I don't know how it like comes across, but obviously they've not sat at as big a table as FTR did in a previous life when they were the revival. They've they've not had the bright lights and the big stages of like WrestleMania and stuff like that. But they're hard, they're great at what they do, they're ready for it, and they want to show that they if they were there, they would belong. Well, it's pretty much a known, well, not unspoken, but it's basically known. The Briscoes would have, especially during the rush of talent signings in the wellspring of the 2015, so on, like the NXT and then AEW, if it weren't for actions that Jay Briscoe had made in the past, they would have almost certainly have been signed up by NXT or signed up by AEW. They're obviously better than the position that they've been, which is basically the perennial top talent. You know, for a long time, for several, you know, he's had Jay Briscoe's had two runs in the world title scene, one of which yeah. was stopped because of what he said and what he did. But Jay, but they were always presented as. I mean, as I said, they were twelve-time tag team champions. They are essentially the. You know, if you were to go just by longevity than they obviously are the top act in ring of honor history yeah they weren't out of place in the ring of honor hall of fame that was announced when the other three inductees are cm punk brian danielson and samoa joe mm. you know it's no it's no surprise whether because of how long ago it's been because there hasn't been any subsequent outbreak of jay running his mouth wrong and through testimony of figures like ian riccoboni of in has indicated that he has he's truly sorry for what he did. Yeah. Do they get a chance to go to a larger platform? Do they even want to at this point? It's pretty crazy that the whole gimmick was how young they were at the start and now they're both got grey in their yeah. <laughs> prominently on their in their look and their display. I mean they've got a fantastic look and a fantastic energy and I love their promos where it's just Jay running his mouth aggressively and mark essentially being the hype man behind it <laughs> and mark with his eccentricities and jay with his like alpha macho-ness it what just they, works it's so like well. chicken style kung fu the commentators refer yeah. to it as redneck yeah. kung fu yeah redneck kung I, fu. I, it was funny before we started recording we were talking about two-man commentary teams and how it seems to be a lost art in the main shows now and i thought ian riccoboni and uh, caprice coleman i think it was uh, did a very good job together. Caprice mm. Coleman was like the the colour guy. 
in the to Rick Bonney's play-by-play without being like the heel supporting one, but he was like an ex-wrestler, or I don't know if he still is a wrestler, that was able to give that perspective. And there were different... I mean, Ian Riccoboni could very easily be a, a, a play-by-play announcer for AEW or WWE or New Japan if, you know, Kevin Kelly stopped working there. He was... Yeah. You know, they did a great job without calling attention to themselves throughout it all. But Riccoboni, you know, and, and uh, Caprice Coleman did feel like he had to give uh, Paul Turner particular props when he caught the chair but uh, <laughs> that was smooth yeah paul's just got i love paul he's he's fast become my favorite AEW referee and started out in ring of honor and that was where he was back there as well i don't know if he was still working at ring of honor in between or what i don't know i don't know what the because you know you're ultimately only employed one day a week if you're a referee or two i don't know depending yeah on how dark works uh, I think Dark is taped before... I don't know how Dark's... I think Dark's taped before... Don't they do it Dynamite. sometimes in the studios? I'm not entirely know. sure. Yeah, I don't pay attention to it. But just the intensity that this match has wrestled out, I think it's it's 20 minutes and they pack so much into it as well. And there are flows and there's technic, technical wrestling at the start. It brawls and fight and intensity and a frantic pace throughout it all and the crowd is just 100% behind it all the time I also like the differing roles within the teams we've always said how Matt Jackson's the one that runs his mouth and with the Briscoes and FTR that's clearly Jay and Dax in their respective yeah. teams that they're the ones that you know that there are there's like three or four levels that this match is being fought on on a psychological basis with the taunting in the ring, just like mano a mano, as fighters, but also who is the better tag? Who are the better tag team? Like, and like at one yeah. point, Cash Wheeler knocks him down and just yells out, "We are tag team wrestling!" And just that sense of they've clearly studied each other for years. And because unlike the Young Bucks match, that wasn't that was a dream match that was in you know unfortunate circumstances. This was basically as good a, an environment that you could have an FTR against the Briscoes match. They kept it simple. They didn't overbook themselves like the Young Bucks did. It's like, oh, if we lose, we'll never challenge again. It's like, well, you know, like, why why have you got to put that on yourself? Why is that going on? (laughs) But yeah, like, the emphasis that this is as much a psychological battle as it is a sporting battle. You know, it's like Patrick Vieira and Roy Keane running (laughs) running their mouths at each other. Yeah. (laughs) Because they know if they can get to the other one. But there's also that sense of these are shared kindred spirits. Because, like, my favourite moment of Patrick Vieira and Roy Keane isn't them yelling at each other. It's them in the tunnel. And I don't even know if it was the same game, like, at half, the second half. And they're waiting there and they are sharing a smile. Because yeah. this is what they live for. <laughs> yeah. There, that, there is mutual respect between those two. Although they probably won't admit it on the field. It's like when you see him now sometimes up against like Graham Souness. I think they both respect what they were, but if they were in the same generation, you could have just imagine the kind of arguments and like battles they'd have had. And for the longest time, with FTR being in their previous incarnation, despite all the like the credibility they'd gained as a tag team and what they wanted to do for tag team wrestling, there was the thought that this match against the Briscoes would be one of the greatest ones that just wouldn't happen, which is one of the reasons the crowd's so hot for it. Like the pre-match, holy shit, chance are always a great 
thing to have. Like, you're in a great position as a performer if the crowd are just going acker for the fact that you're there against each other. And they ramp it up as well. Like, Dax, even though they're theoretically playing the heels, and they do heal it up, especially at the start, he, like, in, in so much energy, he does come down off the apron and high-five someone <laughs> in the crowd. And it's funny then when they have the match against the Young Bucks, like a few days later, there's FTR chants and Dax is like, am I hearing, are those FTR chants? You know, this is something new for us, but enjoying it. And that is an an interesting thought as well. What we're going to see going forward are FTR working as baby faces because the whole art of tag team wrestling really seems to be defined by cutting the ring off in half and that being a specifically heelish thing, because you're isolating one person if you're doing tag team wrestling properly, and therefore you're generating sympathy for the other guy. So how do FTR work it where they generate sympathy? And they do that in the Young Bucks match very uh, well. And it's that sense of... It's almost like how Okada matches are structured, except now it'll be with a babyface heel dynamic that's not as prominent in Okada matches is that sense of FTR are so much better at this than you are, that you're going to have to be sneaky and underhanded to even get a chance of beating them. Yeah. And that's not what this match is, but I feel like that might be how you have to go with FTR as babyfaces going forward. Mm, mm. I'm just... But I think FTR work more in this environment where it is, the FTR can still do the tag team thing of isolating it, but just have it be for shorter bursts. Because they've had they, they've had these matches where the crowd's going apeshit for everything that they're doing and biting on the near falls with you know American Alpha and then with uh, um, DIY and subsequent to that when they came to AEW with the Young Bucks and now with the Briscoes. Yeah, I mean, if you're talking about best match, obviously we've done best match we've seen live. Best tag match I've seen live is definitely the the Alpha. Uh, FTR match at TakeOver Dallas all those years ago. Like, just so, so good. Essentially, you need someone that can go at the pace that FTR go. and But you need the right context as well, because they didn't work that well with the Lucha Bros. They didn't seem to find... They, they were just very unlucky with the Santana and Ortiz feud, I guess, in general, with everything that happens, you know. Yeah, they, was, they were window dressing. Yeah, and the... Oh, God, the blood. I forgot about yeah, that. Yeah, But I think also because it started off right at the peak with the cage match and the stadium stampede, and then it was just now Jericho and MJF are going to feud, and now FDR and Santana and Ortiz are going to feud, but just in regular tag matches. Yeah. Uh, one thing that I noticed Dax did in this match was he worked on his hand. Like, he, yeah. there's a moment where he's in a chop battle, and he contemplates using his fist, and he does, but that hurts him for the rest of the match, and his hand is an issue. And I was trying to remember what that was a callback to. And it was a callback to the Young Bucks match at Full Gear, where famously, I think he literally bladed his hand. Yeah. Doesn't he chop the ring post? Yeah, or something along those lines. And that makes him wounded for the rest of the match, and he can't pull off everything that he usually can do. And by the end of the match, Dax is literally, there's like next to no energy left in him. And when they win it at the end, he's literally lying there with nothing left and... Because he nicks a bandage off of uh, Doc Samson, and it's like his bandage bloody hand, isn't it, at, at, by the end? Yeah, and again, like is so often the case in wrestling right now in 2022, and especially in anything AEW adjacent, there is blood. The blood isn't as graphic or gro- gruesome as like uh, Wheeler Utah. Yeah. But I think it just works as much blood as there is, kind of works in that they're just 
wounded as time's gone on. So it's not really about the blood to raise it. It's more the blood to reflect the action that you've seen. Mm. It's par for the course uh, for the match that we're having. It's not like used as a prop, as a crutch. It's just, it's just what happens when four warriors go at each other. It goes through ch- chapters of the match as it goes on. It's like as much taunting at the start, squaring off, getting the measurement of each other. And then really, as soon as they've got the measurement of each other, the pace quickens. And it's more about each team trying to show how they excel in tag team wrestling. For the Briscoes, it's through synchronized movements and setting it up and like Mark pulling the ropes down at exactly the right moment that Jay's going to come over with the dive, doing blind tags. They can get them on the quickness side. And with FTR, it's more being able to isolate and, you know, taking damage and, and go to work on, like, a cut or a, or a bloody moment and just cutting the ring off, classically. You know, Dash Cash does yeah. his famous sliding interception when they're getting close to the corner, cutting off the opponent when they're on the ropes ready for a tag, etc. But again, mm. doing it in a less heelish way than they've done in the past. Yeah. Yeah, like before it'd be like blindsiding the guy on the rope occasionally or like a little trip. Just like a more like innate nastiness to it, whereas it's it's a clean, hard challenge this time. It's it's tactical. It's aggression met with mutual aggression. That if Dax had been resting, had been like knocked into the middle rope right next to the Briscoe's corner, there's a decent chance Jay would have also flipped off Dax if Dax had been in that position. <laughs> As what Dax does to Jane, this because it's them that have it. True, true. I think that's what everyone wanted to see in this match was two people, two sets of teams rather, with similar mindsets but different methods of execution. You've got like the rough and ready, like speed and that innate chemistry that brothers have versus. Uh, the guys who'd gone down the road and built chemistry with each other, uh, who use like more of like a tactical mindset for tag team wrestling, yeah, have so, studied it. That's why yeah. they do all those different finishes in the Young Bucks match. They are students. That it's not a, like a natural, yeah, unspoken. Well, not unspoken. It's a natural family bond on the side of the Briscoes. Yeah, you always see the people that just seem to have the innate skills and those that have to work hard at it. Yeah. The difference between uh, Paul Gascoigne and a Gary Neville. Yes, yes, exactly. The, the Briscoes, are, you know, Mark in particular is Gaza. Um, <laughs> FTR, essentially, Jamie Carragher and Gary Neville. All yeah. the... <laughs> Just industrious, put, always put like their shift in at the training session. Yeah. And then it's all about the big move sequences that the Briscoes do as well as anyone, you know, as we recall from our time with Shingo yeah. and Naruki Doi. And just that's what the Briscoes can do, or their time with Kevin Steen and Al Generico, just sequences of big moves. Nothing is done sloppily. They're just such great athletes and they have the right timing and they have innovative ideas and they do something crazy creative with maybe a common spot. And then... The final, like, okay, we're into the home straight, as signified is signified by Jay Briscoe just suplexing Dax to the outside. And it's yeah. such a dangerous spot that you rarely see. Like, very often when they'll do the vertical suplex to the outside, how they'll work it is that the person that's taking the fall will essentially land feet first, and they'll both kind of roll with it. Yeah. 
Or they go through something to like cushion it, like a table. Yeah, weirdly, the table cushioning it. But yeah, this one is just sustained fall and landing. And then they do the, you know, are they going to, they tease a, a ref stoppage. But they just will themselves up and it is that sense of, okay, whoever's going to hit the big thing now, we're about to reach the finish. We're in the end game now. It starts off the classic way, the forearm off and everything, but it just builds up. There was one bit where it seemed like Cash Wheeler jumped on the apron and he wasn't supposed to, because then he goes back and Mark hits a moonsault on him. And it doesn't feel like Mark yeah. knocks him off. It's almost like he says, no, go back down, because I'm going to hit you with a moonsault. So again, I think it's just one of those things. It's like It was like Matt Jackson's moonsault to nowhere. Seems like it's every match there'll be something that's like, oh damn, that's not that's all we're supposed not to do. Not quite, not quite yeah. smooth and polished. <laughs> they can't all be uh, mm. Osprey and Ricochet yeah. sequences, though, can they? Yeah, but the sense is like Dax is on his last legs, and he is the you know he's the one being set up for the big moves. Like Jay hits him, uh, they try the Doomsday device on him. Dax knocks Mark off and Mark's on the outside and just within that split second and again and I, I've compared it in the past it's like how the Dudley boys just had that subconscious you know we're in place we're in position I'm going to put him up I'm going to assume the Bubba's there to catch him yeah with the cutter and it was just like Dax lifts him I'm assuming Cash is there to hit the big rig after they got hit with it themselves which is usually an FTR thing actually of them stealing one of their opponent's moves to show that they can do it. And instead, there was no real Briscoe's move, I think, that they stole. Again, just more, it was more disciplined. It was more about mm. using tag team wrestling to tell the story rather than telling the story about tag team wrestling. Well, I think if, you, if you follow the whole FTR arc since Young Bucks won, where that 450 attempt from Cash Wheeler was the one that like caused them to. I think gradually they have become a more disciplined, disciplined unit. It's long-term storytelling across promotions. Well, I think it was them finding refocus in this last month, ditching Tully Blanchard, striking out on their own. Which came out of nowhere as well. Eh, sort of, yes, but I wasn't against it. Yeah. I think it had run its course. There was no need to... I don't think you need... And, it's, and I quite like that the FTR's breakups with the Pinnacle and Tully were as close as they get to mutual and mm. understood, and it doesn't mean, well, now we've got to program them against the tag team that Tully Blanchard's got, or now we've got to have them have a match against MJF and Sean Spears. It's just a case of, like with Sammy Guevara in the inner circle, I'm just not going to be a part of this fight. Yeah. We can leave it open to go back to it, you know, three months down the line, but let's just, it doesn't have to be what defines us straight after this. They, they are the Ross to uh, MJF's Rachel. They are on a break. Exactly. And I think that we'll probably see that at some point, that MJF will try to go with... Because the FCR are now, like, back in prominent positions now. Like, they can make... They could probably, if they kept booking them this way, you could book a main event for the next pay-per-view and have it be FTR against Brian Danielson and John Moxley, or FTR Young Bucks 3, and it could believably main event pay-per-view, I think, now, at this point... I think FTR, Moxley, Danielson is... I would not be surprised if that's the match that they book for the next pay-per-view. Hook it to my veins. I don't know about this one, because it's we're only a, we're less than a month away, but yeah, down the line. I mean, Jurassic Express just can't hold a candle to this stuff, really, in all honesty. No, but Jurassic Express isn't a long-term tag team. It's 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 Jungle Boy's vehicle. It's very, it very much has that vibe, doesn't it? <laughs> 
They're a tag team, but I don't think they're going to be one of the greats of tag team wrestling like these two. I'll, I'll put it down as, yeah, 70% likely because maybe they will not be allowed to hire them, but I can't see how you... Because they did appear on Impact. But I would assume the Briscoes are going to be part of at least Ring of Honor going forward. Yeah. Whether those stories about someone at Turner not wanting Jay there, I don't know if that's true or not. I, I can't say. But then I would assume at some point this year we'll see the Briscoes get their win back and that's how FTR end up dropping the ROH tag belts. Because FTR are too important right now. Like, they'll get huge reactions for the next few shows when they come out. Yeah. Right up until the the match with Moxley and Danielson, I think, right now, that that's where they are. They're, they're, like I said, that's what's amazing about this. In a month, they've reheated them and now they're as big a deal as they ever were as when they made their debut, and like we said, the big tragedy of that was that it happened during COVID lockdown, and we didn't get a whole full arena going ape shit at the sight of the Young Bucks and FTR in the ring together, which was what one of the big things we were dreaming about with AEW when it became pretty yeah. clear that the revival are not much longer for this world, no matter what is thrown at them, and rumors online are being thrown at them again very soon if they can get their way. Yeah, but- if they get their way, if they get their way. The WWE don't have what FTR demand, and that is they need these 20-minute matches to tell their true best stuff, and WWE will never give them that as a tag team. Well, they don't have a long list of opponents for them No, that too. Yeah, exactly. You know, if you let them take away all the restrictions, I'm sure they could have better tag team matches against the Usos and... The New Day. Alpha Alpha Academy and RK Bro and all them lot, but... And the New Day, yes, of course, but... I just don't that Vince will lose patience six months down the line. And Vince doesn't just doesn't seem to like tag team wrestling anywhere near as much as FTR. He says it as a waste of money. Yeah, you know, you know, but they've they've proven their value. I think as much as anything in just a month, they've proven their value because I think so often people just think about what is in the immediate thing that what's happened to someone, and they're like they've been squashed and they've looked bad in this segment. They'll never recover from this. So if that's true, man, then the way Triple H was treated at WrestleMania 12 against the Ultimate Warrior does not correspond <laughs> that have been with there. what happened to him afterwards. How, in such a short space of time, you can turn them into the highest stacks in wrestling. And that's what FTR were for that week. Mm. You know, we nearly had two FTR matches to cover that happened in like four days over two weeks of this episode. Technically, this in two, well, in two different promotions. Not even yeah. technically. And I would not be surprised if we get more FTR matches down the line. I mean, this was their second match. I think that there'll be more. I really do think there probably will be more. Our first Briscoes match for this. Again, yeah. depending on the situation, there could be more. They obviously teased with the Young Bucks attacking the Briscoes. They would like to do some stuff with the Young Bucks and the Briscoes as well. Like I said, I think at some point the Briscoes will win back those tag team titles. That'd be my guess. If they're going to just put them, keep them in Ring of Honor. But I don't know how much. I just think this is a fantastic match. And essentially then the post-match, them following the code of honour that they didn't at the start, is their babyface turn, essentially, yeah. at that moment. Like it was, it had been a, a it had been like a two, it had been like a four-week arc, or whatever it was, when they were getting screwed over by the Young Bucks in the two battle royals, then the Young Bucks mocking them backstage, then them taking out the gun club. Departing from Pinnacle, getting rid of Tully Blanchard. Obviously, the thing that everyone's guessing is that this is leading to them getting what they want, which is to have Bret Hart as their corner man. I don't think it's a good long-term idea. 
I think it could be good as him maybe being a neutralizer or then bringing him in as a special trainer for their match with Moxley and Danielson. So it's like you can have Regals training Moxley Danielson and you can have Bret Hart training FTR, yeah. but I don't think Bret works in that capacity on a week-in, week-out basis. You know, when you think of Bret Hart, you don't think tag team wrestling number one. He's like he was part of a great no. tag team, but the tag team isn't in the same mold as what FTR is in. Obviously, Dax Harwood in particular is like a Bret Hart tribute act as well, and so is CM Punk. There was that recent tweet from uh, Bailey where she yeah. said it's a text screenshot of the text conversation. That's a beautiful yeah. tweet, that. Yeah, yeah. Where she was asking for recommendations, and I think he'd sent like a list within seven ten seconds. seconds or <laughs> Bailey. Obviously, some of that's hyperbole. But... He must have just had a document on his phone that was copy paste. Yeah. <laughs> I'd love to talk Bret Hart with Dax Harwood for a couple of hours if he's ever out there and fancies talking to someone, a fellow Bret Hart enthusiast. <laughs> I don't think he necessarily has the discipline that Bret Hart did. I think he's, as we've seen with some of the more glaring issues that the FTR, they aren't a full, complete package. But I don't. I never thought they were as bad as some of the people saying, oh, they've been exposed, they were never that good. You know, because Twitter's never a place for nuanced arguments. Or positivity, by and large. No, so, not you really. Know. But I'm positive on this match. But I'm also positive... That I'm not giving it five stars. I would go four and three quarters, I believe. I did love it, but I don't think I would quite go five. Yeah, I'm in the same boat. Uh, very, very good fun. I'd say mid to high fours, but I'm just not there for the five. I don't know what it would have needed to have done to give us more than that, really. But I don't, you know, it doesn't matter. I, it doesn't matter if I don't see a five star match. This is as good as it. This is as good as it ever needed to be in my eyes. Yeah. I would never complain about this match. Oh yeah, I had a great time watching it. I definitely think it will hold up to sustained viewings in 18 months that that first Young Bucks match didn't. And I think that the second match was a bit, again, it wasn't about a self-conscious meta text. Whereas this match and then the match against the Young Bucks in the next one, they were playing roles and it fit within it. And even Jim Cornette enjoyed it. They essentially managed to shoot Jim Cornette into a work. <laughs> because he'd been convinced brother, brother. for like the past 18 months the only reason they signed FTR was so that the Young Bucks would get their win just you know because Jim Cornette's a crazy man but you know he is indeed now Jim Cornette managing the FTR that's the thing I would that would work a lot more than but it would never happen yeah. but god for one night how amazing would that be nah get Britain get the needle moved get, get the nostalgia uh, Simon if people want to get in touch with you to give you some Bret Hart matches or some FTR matches or other matches that they can send you in seven seconds with a pre-written list of recommendations, how can they do so? Uh, they can get in touch with me on Twitter where I'm selling a Simon Cross free. Free for the number of men in this match which had proper facial hair. Mark going more for the stubble, really. My name's Lorcan Mullen, that's L-O-R-C-A-N-M-U-L-L-A for the A. That's the second letter of both Mark and J. And N for the N in synchronicity. The third letter in synchronicity. That's my Twitter handle, Instagram, Facebook, letterbox. If you put in at gmail.com at the end of it, that's my email address. Get in touch with the show at lmtyspod at gmail.com. Lmtyspod is also our Twitter and Facebook handles. For our next episode, assuming there are no five-star matches in between, we're going to go back to a Let Me Tell You Something. 
It's going to be a topic of discussion. As we always like to say, we don't like to talk about the up-to-date stuff. That's more for these episodes. But a huge anniversary has been hit. And just as in the past we discussed a decade of Cena, this time we're going to discuss two decades of autumn. He debuted in April of 2002. And... I think when the next Raw episode is on, that'll literally be the same date 20 years later. They don't Jesus. seem to have made any big announcements for it, but something was Well, he's got, a, he's got a really big match coming up with the uni- with the unification of but the that, tag Yeah, match. I thought they might have made that that episode, but instead they've pushed it to WrestleMania Backlash. WrestleMania Backlash! Yeah. But until that episode where we talk about the 20 years of Randy Orton... How he managed to last that long, because God knows sometimes it didn't seem like he was going to. And the (laughs) ever-changing status on the card, and in the eyes of the fans. But there's nothing left to say at this point, except that my name's Lorcan Mullen. And my name's Simon Cross. Thank you for letting us tell you something. Have a five-star time. Until the next time.